You're listening to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast with your host, Nick Chouquette. Today's show features another amazing entrepreneur who has found success online. Now, let's learn what it takes to be a million dollar seller. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Chouquette, and today we have Michael Jackness on the call from Ecom Crew. Mike, what's up, man? How you doing Hunch. today? How's it going, Nick? Good to see good, you. Good, good. Cool, man. So yeah, you know, for a lot of people in the Amazon space, they're going to know exactly who you are, right? Like Ecom Crew, you guys have been in the game for a little while, putting out uh, what I think is some of the best information uh, in the Amazon space, personally, even like in the e-commerce space, a lot of what you guys talk about uh, spills over into, you know, like if you got a Shopify store or, you know, wherever you're selling. Um, but for those of you who are not, uh, for those of us who are not in the Amazon space, why don't you uh, tell us who, tell us a little bit about yourself, man? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been doing the online thing since 2004. I was doing affiliate marketing back then and got into e-commerce in like 2012-ish. Uh, we had owned treadmill.com and that was our first e-commerce site. So we we were affiliate marketers and had bought a bunch of keyword domains and it's kind of a long story, but we had we had bought treadmill.com and owned it. And one day I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm sick of being an affiliate. I really want to add more value. And uh, I, I thought that the type of affiliate marketing we were doing was going to kind of go the way of the dodo bird. I, I didn't think that Google was going to allow those types of sites to rank much longer. It took a little bit longer than I thought, but they're definitely making a big push now to, to really penalize a lot of the types of affiliate sites that, especially the ones that we were running. So it's definitely been a good move. And uh, it was, you know, it was a drop shipping site. We cut our teeth on, on e-commerce. We sold a couple million dollars of, of fitness equipment and, it was either jump off of a bridge or sell the site because it was uh, it was kind of a miserable experience doing doing drop shipping, selling fitness equipment against the manufacturers themselves, and uh, having to deal with map pricing and them not being able to deliver and like all these other all these other heartaches. But I also fell in love with e-commerce at the same time as we were doing that. I just really enjoyed having that touch point with the customers and controlling the entire sales process. Unlike an affiliate. And so after we sold that, we, in the same, in the same month that we sold that, we bought a site called icewraps.com. And that's really when our Amazon journey started because that came with an Amazon account. And so since then we've been Amazon sellers and, and Shopify sellers. Nice, man. And was that your first like uh, journey into entrepreneurship or did you dabble in some other stuff before you got into the affiliate work? Yeah, I've pretty much always been an entrepreneur. I mean, I didn't go to college. I started my first business when I was 18. I was like a computer nerd growing up and it was just the right place at the right time when it comes to that, because I'm not sure what the heck I would have done with my life otherwise, but you know, luckily in middle school and high school, you know, as like personal computers were just becoming a thing in people's homes in the late eighties and early to mid nineties when I was growing up. I was just really taken by them. Like, I mean, mostly because of video games. I mean, let's just be realistic. I, I love playing some of the early, <laughs> early PC video games. And, you know, so because of that, I learned DOS, you know, back when it was before Windows and I like Windows came out and I learned about Windows and just like a lot of kids like today that are used to all the technologies that are 
that are new today. I was a kid at that time that was that picked it up really quickly and it was mystifying to adults. You know, they were just like, how do I put this box in my, in my house and, and use this word processor thingy or whatever and print something like, I mean, it was all just brand new. And uh, again, just at the right place at the right time. And so I, I started a company uh, just helping home users with their, with their computers. And eventually a couple of them had some businesses, you know, you just statistically, eventually you go to a guy's house that also runs a business. And so then I was like helping him with his business computers. And one day I like ran across this guy who needed to help, like kind of putting together hundreds of computers for a, a larger business. And then they actually ended up eventually giving me a, a job and uh, you know, like one thing kind of led to another. I also did a lot of, uh, eBay selling back in the day, back before 2000, when eBay was just brand new, we were a power seller uh, selling DVDs and coins were the niches that we got into and uh, did that, did that up until we started the affiliate marketing business in 2004. Once that took off, like I actually gave, I think about $50,000 with the inventory to a friend who was uh, this kid that was helping us like pack poker chips. That was like our affiliate business. And uh, we were just, I was just like, I need this stuff out of my house. Like, you know how to sell on eBay. Thanks for helping us. Good luck to you. Here's, here's all this stuff. Just get it. Just come take it and I'll, <laughs> you can have it. Um, and so that was the end of my eBay journey. Right on, man. So it seems like you were uh, through your journey, like you were always kind of like adopting new technology and, and picking up on things pretty quickly and, and staying ahead of the trends, uh, especially in the, you know, digital space do you find yourself still like still having that or as you've gotten older a little more experienced have you kind of dialed that back a little bit yeah like over the last like couple years especially like i I found it's a lot more difficult um yeah i don't know what it is i don't know if it's just this is what happens to everybody you're just yeah age i was like talking to someone on our podcast the other day uh, she was 61 years old when she started selling on Amazon. I thought that was awesome. Um, but I was like, I also was just talking about how I think it's, it's gotta be more difficult as you get older. Cause I've, I've definitely felt that. I think also like, you know, as part of it is like, once you're somewhat financially secure, like the hunger isn't quite as, is there as it, as it is when you like have no choice, if you want to eat, you'll figure, you'll figure things out. And so I, I you know, just being honest with myself, I, I've, I've found that it is a little bit more difficult to, to put in the work when there's already food on the table, you know, to some degree, like I still definitely, I think compared to the average person out there, uh, I'm kind of an overachiever when it comes to that, but compared to myself, uh, 10 years ago, I feel like there's definitely, uh, definitely a difference. Yeah. Right on, man. I, I can definitely relate to that. I look back in my, my younger days, my teenage years, like it always took some massive like problem, some difficult situation for me to really like spring into action and be like, all right, I got to get my, I got to get my stuff together. Like I really got (laughs) to figure this out. And now I've gotten a little bit older, uh, been in business for a little bit. It's like, all right, how do I capture that Nick in those moments and tone it down a little bit into something that can be consistent and repeated over time rather than just like, you know, being in a cage fight. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Have, have you kind of like, what, what does your journey through business look like? Like, I imagine you've learned just, just so many different things. Like, and I, I feel like it falls back on developing those processes and systems and, 
you know, figuring out how we can uh, carry that stuff in, in day-to-day life. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a book sitting on your, your shelf right behind you. That's made a huge difference for me traction. Uh, it's really, when I look back to, to 2004, when we started the affiliate business, you know, at our peak, we had 66 employees. Uh, wow. it, was, it was poker affiliate. So like, I mean, it just, it, it exploded. We were again, kind of just in the right place, right time. Um, and I've always been like a strike while the iron is hot kind of guy. And so when I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try, I'll tinker with a lot of different things that, that don't work or just like, eh, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't care if I lose money on them, you know, just more, but let's just kind of throw a bunch of different spaghetti at the wall and, and test things out. And then when I find something that, that does work, I, I kind of have that all in personality. And so that's certainly how that was with uh, the poker affiliate days. Uh, and that's how it was you know, for us in, in this Amazon world. You know, I feel like when we first discovered Amazon in 2015, I immediately realized that like this wasn't going to last forever. You know, I think that there's there's the types of businesses you find that you can take your time and grow them slowly. And uh, I think that those are all great sound pieces of advice. But also, in the, you know, when you have something like the Amazon world, if you don't realize that things are going to change rapidly and whatever you're doing today is not going to work tomorrow, and this opportunity window is going to to shut then I think you're kind of crazy. And so we, we definitely took an all in pretty crazy, put the pedal to the metal kind of mentality from, from 2015 to 2019 when we sold one of our businesses. Okay. Um, but you would ask kind of, you know, in terms of systems and structure, which I kind of got off the topic, I apologize. The thing that's, that's really helped us over the last couple of years has been that has been traction, you know, because I, I really realized that there was always something wrong through all these businesses that I had done, you know, from, from 2004 up till we read traction in 2016, I think it was. And it was just, I had the plan in my mind. Like I knew what I wanted to do, but no one else really knew what we were doing. And what I wanted to do often changed yearly, monthly, sometimes weekly or daily, <laughs> you know, I wake yeah. up in the, in the morning and I want to go do X, Y, Z. And the next day I would want to go do ABC and I would go tell my employees this. And they're like, well, which one's more important? And I didn't even know the answer to it. A lot of times, you know, it just, it was the typical visionary entrepreneur problem. And so after reading traction, we hired a COO, you know, someone who was a good implementer and they are the shield between me and basically all of our staff we have right now. Uh, <laughs> I like how employees. you worded it as a shield. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, because I, I know what happens, right. You know, yeah. especially when you read traction, it really kind of brings it to light. Uh, you know, and I had a, I had to look at myself and realize some hard things. You know, one of the things that entrepreneurs don't like to do or just type a personalities don't like to do is admit that they're wrong or not good at something. It's, it's, it's really difficult to say, cause I'm super competitive. So it's hard for me to say, like, I suck at this, whatever it is. Like, I want to be good at everything. I want to win at everything, but that's not possible. You know, it just, it isn't, it's impossible. And so after reading the book, it really, I think it was a combination. That book was at the right place at the right time. Had I read that book at 25, I probably would have just ignored it. Right. Quite, quite frankly. I mean, I think a lot of it is you, you the light bulb moment has to come from personal experiences. And so the late bulb moment for me was just like, holy crap, this is what's happening in our business. Like I, I realize this now that I'm constantly operating like a, a zigzag all over the place. We never, we never take the time to actually 
finish the plan. And anything I had done in my life to that point where I had actually, you know, just kind of finished the plan uh, worked really well. There was a few examples of that. And so we hired the COO. And as I said, it's, I, I'm the, like, I really look at myself or her as the shield between the staff because like, I don't want to, I don't want to take them off course. Right. I want, I want to lay out a plan for them. And I need her to like, whenever I'm like, Oh, let's go do this or that to put her foot down and say, no, Mike, like you've told me that this is what we want to do. Why are we changing it? Like this is going to cause all these other ripple effects in the business. And it makes me be aware of that. And and now that we're a few years into this, it's no longer hard for me to like, to stay the course, but it, certainly in the beginning, it was, it was much more difficult. And so what we do is we, we plan out, you know, we've done our, our five-year plan with traction. They, they asked you to do a 10-year plan. I think that that's kind of crazy in, yeah. in the e-commerce world. So we did a five-year plan. Uh, and really what it comes down to at the end of the day, I think everybody, you, you don't have to follow the book word for word. I think that that's also a mistake. I think you adapt to what works best for you. And so for us, what really works good is, is a year plan. We really put a lot of evidence. We spend a lot of time at the end of the year laying out, this is what we want to get done for the year. These are our goals for a year. This is a period of time where we can all get our heads around it. Things are going to change over this next year, but things change every year, but not, not so much that we're going to have a business that looks so different at the end of the year that we can't recognize it anymore. And so we'll lay those things out and then we break it out by quarter. And so those are 13 week sprints. And you might, I feel like my responsibility now is to help plan those quarters and then to leave people the hell alone. And nice. it's really difficult at times because in week one or two, inevitably, it's like, oh man, there's like this new thing I found on MDS. Let's go try this, yeah. you know? And so I have to do that. Like I have to personally be the one to go try it. And if it's something that I'm like, let's go do this at scale, I have to wait until week 14, uh, you know, of the, to the next quarter, basically to say, this is what we're going to do next quarter. And meanwhile, all the things I thought about the previous quarter they'll get implemented in that, in that quarter. And, and what it does is it, you know, it allows us to say, Hey, Mr. Or Mrs. Employee, like, here's a list of things we want you to get done over this next 13 weeks. In large part, we are not a micromanagement organization. You just go get your stuff done. Um, you have your daily responsibilities and your weekly responsibilities as well, but these are things over and above that, that we want you to accomplish. You figure out a way to get that stuff done there's no excuse at the end of the quarter, like why it isn't done. You have to go get it done and just go get it done. And we allow them to have autonomy and take ownership and get these things done. And they know because we've now been doing this for multiple years that we aren't going to throw them a curveball in the middle of that time period, which I think is, is the fair thing to do. And so that's really, really helped in terms of systems and processes. Yeah, man, I love how you laid that out. You touched on a lot of a lot of great things. One that really resonated with me was like how you mentioned your role is to plan those quarters. And I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs would identify as visionaries if they understood, you know, the difference between an visionary and an integrator. Um, and like as an entrepreneur, we get these big ideas in our head and like they make sense. And like it, everything's like in there. And then you try and like tell somebody and it becomes a little difficult. You try to like, for me, I always wanted it to happen really fast. Like, Hey, yeah. let's get this done. Yeah. But now that I've kind of stepped into that role a little more clearly, like 
it is like a quarterly plan, like these big ideas we have in our head uh, take a while to implement and or take a big team to implement if you want them quickly. And sometimes I'm just blown away at like all the information we can process in our minds. Like, I don't, I don't know if everyone operates like that or, or it's just like what the visionaries have, but, uh, did you ever feel like that? Like when you started putting your ideas down on a flow chart or on a paper, like, Holy crap, like it just felt good to get it out. Yeah, it definitely does. And it also, you know, the other thing that it made me realize is that the bulk of my ideas are bad. Yeah. Right. I mean, like they're just, I mean, they're not bad ideas, but like trying to implement all those things or, you know, just chasing every single idea isn't realistic. Right. Yeah. And, and so in anything in life, everything else in life, you have to pick and choose, you know, you only have you know so much time in a day or so much money or so many resources or whatever, whatever it is. And you have to pick and choose between the things that you want to do. And as the types of entrepreneurs that we are, we tend to think of things much quicker than they can be implemented. And yeah. there's too many things you can't do them all, et cetera. And so it's, it's forced me to, I don't know if you've also read essentialism, but also kind of follow a lot of those principles where you pick just the best ideas, you know, cause if I'm going to go to my COO, it, it's interesting. Cause now, even though I'm the, the owner and the, the boss, et cetera, like, I mean, she does a really good job and she's going to push back and challenge me and be like, you're trying to do too much. We can't fit that much into a quarter. We can't, you know, and so I know now that, that I have to pick just the best things. And, and what happens to, to me, at least, and this might happen to you as well, is our ideas like run out of gas. Like I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh man, I want to go run PPC. Do, 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 do. I got to do this. Oh, we got to do it right now. We got to like, and then like by like two or three days later, you're like on another idea, or yeah. you realize that that thing that you were super excited about isn't really that important. Or the other thing that I would do all the time is, uh, oh man, I got this new idea for a new business. We're going to go start selling marbles now because like marbles are the hot new thing. And we're going to like, who cares about these baby toys that we already have and the tactic tackle, we're going to go sell marbles. And then the next week it's going to be like, you know, we're going to sell tea or, you know, CBD is huge. We're going to get on, you know, and it's just, you're constantly trying to like go from thing to thing. And a lot of those ideas, I would realize like even myself, like over a relatively short period of time, we just kind of fizzle out. You're just like, yeah, yeah, maybe that wasn't such a, you know, I mean, there was a time one day, like maybe I woke up and I was going to sell ballet shoes or something. And because like opportunity came across my desk and you realize like how, how ridiculous this is. And so now when I go, like, I feel like it's embarrassing to go to her and be like, I want to do this, 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 this. <laughs> you know, and, or I changed my mind. Like now let's you know, it's just, it's a stupid, like when you go yeah. try to communicate that to someone else, you realize that, it doesn't matter if you're the boss or you're paying someone else or whatever. I mean, like, it just, it sounds stupid. Like, I mean, you, you, like they're looking at you, like you need to be medicated or something. And that's really forced me to like cut that crap out. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I, uh, I haven't gotten there yet to like the point where you are. Uh, but I've seen, you know, the air, the flaws and in, in my ways and how I've tried to operate and, uh, you know, traction has, has cleared that up. Like I've got a path on, on where I need to go to fix all that stuff. Uh, what, what, because I think this is really valuable for so many people in business. Like what did that, uh, high, what did that process look for getting your chief of operations? Like, you know, what was the cost? How long did it take you to find it? And, and what is like the return you would put on that relationship? Mm-hmm. So the, the process basically was I, I read traction. I think in the first 
the first chapter, it's been a while since I've read it now, but it's either the first or second chapter when they lay out the, the visionary and the integrator implementer type of role. And again, it was, it was just as much as a light switch. And my, you know, there's very few things I can remember in my life where I was just like, I had that instant impact or aha moment. And so was, like, this is something I gotta, I gotta figure out, you know? So it, from that moment, uh, within within just a couple of weeks, I had put together a job description. Uh, I think I posted it on Indeed is ultimately where I found this person. But it took, uh, if I remember correctly, like five or six months to make the hire. I, you know, I knew that it was a, a very critical hire that I couldn't go through a second time. Like these are the types of hires that can make make or break a business. You're, you're investing... Uh, you know, in our case, low five figures a month into the salary, plus my, all my time. Cause like, I knew that I had to do a data dump from me to her or to him, depending. It was, it ended up being a her that we hired. Um, and it takes time to develop this relationship and trust and all these things. And so having to like, go back and do that a second time, I realized was, was just, it would have killed us. And so, yeah. I put a lot of effort into finding who I thought was the right person. It's turned out to be a really great hire. I mean, she still works with us and nice. um, it's been, it's been great. Uh, we hired her and I think her four-year anniversary is actually coming up uh, in September. Okay. Um, so it's been, it's been a minute since we hired her and it's been, it's been great. And she, at this point, largely runs the business. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's allowed me to, to just, again, have that kind of hands off, let, let the, the chips fall where they're going to fall. Like once we decide what we want to do, uh, it's also made my life a lot less stressful uh, and more enjoyable because uh, I'm not dealing with a bunch of things that I'm not good at. Uh, it, it, I don't want to be hearing about employee problems or having to set goals or do performance reviews or all these things that I'm just awful at. And so like they just never got done. And our team was like all over the place because of it. And people just never had a good feeling and uh, about working for our company versus now, like I spend a lot of my time talking to her and also our manager in the Philippines office. Most of our employees are in the Philippines now uh, about this is the culture we want to set. These are the benefits we want to have. We want to make sure that people realize that we really care about them. And for me, like the best way to actually deliver on that is to mostly stay out of their, their lives, <laughs> you know, cause again, I'm not, I'm not good at doing performance reviews and I'm not good at, I'm, I'm an empathetic person, but I'm also not a good listener. And I don't want to be hearing about, you know, their aunt you know, sick or something, or, yeah. you know, they, they, they hurt their finger and they can't come into work today or whatever the hell thing it is, is I just don't do well with those things. But, you know, so we have someone in those roles that, that handles those things. And, and Jacqueline, our, our COO in particular, I mean, once we, we hired her, you know, I just, I, I had written up like a brief for her. Like I remember, like it was like a five or 10 page brief. I, I wrote up for her about the company and what we wanted to do. And we wanted to, you know, I asked her to read traction and we were going to go through this process together and what I wanted the company to look like. And, you know, so it, it took some time. I mean, it definitely took six months to a year really before I felt really confident about her and that role. And also it took training myself to like allow that to happen because it's, it's very difficult for our types of personalities to just allow that to happen. But I was committed to it. You know, because again, I, I read traction. I I also identified that this was a problem. You know, in in multiple businesses, and something that I just like I was, if I felt like I was going to go figure out how to build a landing page, and that I had no idea how to do, I was I was going to figure this thing out. Yeah, <laughs> that was the thing I figured out that year. 
And, and I feel like we, we did a good job with it. And how had, how did life change once, you know, she settled into her role, maybe a year down the road, like, like how did things change for Mike? Like what opportunities opened up? How did it change your personal life? I imagine there was an impact there as well. Yeah. I mean, looking back to the day that we hired her to now, I mean, I was working 80 hours a week, sometimes even more, uh, very stressed, didn't really take time for myself, my friends, my family, you know, all the things that are important, actually really important. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like we were all over the place as a company you know, we, we got a lot of cool things done. People would always look at us and be like, marvel at the success, you know, which is another drug that keeps you keep on doing the same stupid stuff, you know, over and yeah. over again. Uh, you know, I think that our employees just didn't know what our actual objectives were, what, what we were trying to even really accomplish versus now I feel like we've kind of corrected all that. You know, we've got a set of core values that everybody understands. Everybody understands what each of our brands is and what we're trying to accomplish and what they, what they do. We set goals every single quarter. We stick to them. We share our results with our employees. We, we give them bonuses based on the performance and goals. We make sure that they get performance evaluations, uh, that they're, they're mentored properly, that they have the proper training, uh, all these different things. And for me, I mean, I'm working significantly fewer hours. I spend now that the pandemic's over it's, uh, or not over, but like certainly coming to a close here in Vegas, uh, you know, I am able to go enjoy, enjoy life and enjoy my work, you know, to have a, a more, more balanced approach. Uh, I, I did an episode about this thing called the four burner theory that I've also kind of coincided with, with traction. I heard about that similar thing where, uh, you know, so now I, I try to keep those things in balance, which is your know, work, health, friends, and family, and try to give them all as much as I can equal attention. It's never going to be perfect. You know, it's never going to be 25, 25, 25, 25. But over the course of a year, I like to look back and feel like, yeah, I did a pretty good job making sure that uh, those things were all covered. Right on, man. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, we get into it for, uh, you know, we want to control our personal lives somewhat. We want to like, you know, be able to visit family when we want to be a good father, mother, whatever the case may be. And like during that process of making that happen, uh, it can be easy to get lost in the weeds. And like, before you know it, you're, you've created a job for yourself. You're working your ass off. You're not spending time with your friends. You're missing yep. out on family stuff. Like you're not taking holidays off. Like I catch myself doing that, you know, these holidays, if it's not like Christmas or Thanksgiving, I'll, I'll probably go to work, you know, like, uh, cause it's just kind of where I'm at right now, but it's that constant conflict of like two different goals in my mind. Um, and, and, you know, implementing traction really seems to be a great solution to that. And, and for the listeners, like, why don't you let them know what you've been able to accomplish? Like, you know, how many businesses, you know, have you had, or how, how many are you running right now? Like, uh, you, I know you're managing a couple different things and it seems that you've really put yourself, um, in, in the right position in each of those, uh, businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we run five businesses right now, uh, four e-commerce brands and then e-com crew. And, you know, Traction certainly has allowed us to, to make sure that each of those brands are getting the proper attention and that we're setting the proper goals. Uh, 
we are going to try to, to pare down on that. You know, I don't know that running five brands or whatever is the thing that is the accomplishment necessarily because of traction. Uh, so many has helped make all that smoother, but I've also realized that, uh, you know, the whole, like, if you chase two rabbits, both will get away thing. And so I, I've been really disciplined. I kind of think I've fooled myself a little bit, like disciplined, making sure that the, the rabbit is e-commerce. Okay. I think the, the rabbit really at the end of the day is just trying to, to get down to one brand. And so slowly, but surely we've been, we, we sold one brand in 2019. Uh, I think we're going to, to sell another one, hopefully this year or next year. Uh, and I, I really miss color. The brand that we did sell was like a great brand that you can kind of really get behind. It was a well-rounded brand that isn't just Amazon. Uh, and so that's one of the things I'm, I'm, I've been kind of thinking through, but because it's, it's difficult, you know, you're, you're, managing an email list from multiple companies and trying to match social media profiles for different companies and brand messaging and this, that, and the other. And even though we have, I, I feel like we do a really good job with that. And uh, you know, we have different teams siloed within our organization to help manage all that. Uh, I feel like you can still be even more concise and clear if you have just one, one thing you're going after. So we're, we're unfortunately, I don't think that we actually have that thing right now, which is kind of the, the bummer. Uh, Cause I feel like, you know, in, in terms of, where, where e-commerce is going, the things that I've been thinking a lot about, uh, you know, I don't want to be just a pure Amazon seller. Yeah. I want to make sure that we, we have other assets off, off Amazon and, uh, there's other, other components, other things I've kind of come to realize that are, are really important as well. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're dotting all those I's and crossing those T's. And so we're working towards getting to the, to what we ultimately want to do from that perspective. But yeah, I mean, we certainly couldn't do the things that we do now if it if it weren't for traction, right? I mean, it it's helped allow us to even run multiple businesses. But I I find that uh, what ends up happening inevitably is you know entrepreneurs we think that we can do a second, third, fourth thing that we were successful at, and it'll be just super easy. Uh, you know, we already run one e-commerce business; running another one should be no problem. Uh, it's kind of a fallacy. It's never, it's never quite that easy. In fact, I think it's actually more difficult to run two things than one thing. That economy is a scale thing. Never seems to quite work out the way that you, you think it will. Uh, at least at the smaller size, like you get like a Thrasio or something. Maybe it's different where you have a hundred different brands and it, it's just Amazon and you're not trying to do a whole bunch of things outside of that. Uh, it, it's one thing. But when you're a smaller company like us trying to do. The types of things that we're trying to do, I think it, it becomes actually more difficult. Yeah, I think one thing people underestimate is like mental fatigue, mm -hmm. right? Like even and and I think you touched on it pretty concisely. Like as a small company, even though you've implemented traction and you've delegated work, like at some point in your mind, I'm assuming that you're thinking you're having random thoughts of all five brands. You know, it's, it's just in your mind, pinging around yeah, absolutely. and you have to do, I mean, it's like a mental exercise to say, Hey, you know, e even to let it go, like you have to be aware of it in there and you have to say, all right, I got to let that go. And, you know, now you've got that going on times five with five different companies and, and that will fatigue people in my opinion. I mean, I know, I know it does me, it's just another kind of battle going on in my mind. And I, you, I don't hear a lot of people talk about that. And I, it just reminded yeah. me of what you were, what you were saying, reminded me of that. They're absolutely uh, but yeah. Those big brands yeah. like Thrasio, I don't, you know, it's just like, you know, they have such a big machine that just like swallows that up. And I imagine 
the guy that started it, you know, probably not his first rodeo. Um, and he's probably not very close to the Amazon business. Like, uh, you know, someone like myself or you would be, uh, I think that you could equate it to like, they're playing a different game, but we yeah. look to that and want to try to play the same game, but we're not, you know, so you can't, you can't try to play at the NFL level when you're really actually playing, you're actually bowling, you know, in the bowling <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just, you know, it, I think that we kind of get sucked into this type of thing. And a, you know, a great example of it would be, let's say you find a, a new, a new trick, right? We're on MDS. There's a new, uh, there's some like cool link stuff that people are talking about right now in, in MDS. Okay. So we're going to go, we're going to go try that. Well, which brand do you go try that for first? Well, it's probably your hero brand. There's probably one brand that you have in, the, in your catalog, uh, one product or something that, okay, let's go try it with that first. And let's see, it has success with it. Okay, great. Now let's, you know, do it at, do it at scale or whatever for, for that brand. And you go do it for the next brand, the next brand. By the time you you're at brand four talking about that, that even though it's important, the excitement's kind of waned off, right? It's just not, it, nothing ever gets the exact amount of attention that it should when it's being divided is really what it comes down to. It doesn't matter. And again, I think that we're good at it. But even then, again, just being honest, and it's tough, like admitting that you're not doing the best job at something, but being realistic and honest about it, like it just, it's never as good for the other, the other brands, you know? And so it just, it doesn't get the same attention. Your best employees end up in one place. Your best ideas end up in one place. Everything else gets the the second best version of you or that. And it, it eventually shows. And even, even then the, then the first brand actually really is the one that suffers as well. The one that really matters because you're even, even though the best resources aren't necessarily on that brand, uh, you're still spending time on it. And you know, at some point you're in these planning sessions, like, I don't even want to talk about this thing anymore. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. and so I, I, having, being able to now kind of get on the other side of some of the other issues we had, it's like exposed even, even some more of these types of things. And uh, again, essentialism is a great book about, about this as well, where, you know, if you focus on just one thing uh, and say no to so many more things, you'll, you'll be better off. And the entrepreneur's tendency is to want to do just one more thing, right? Just, Oh, just one more brand, one more product, one more idea, one more thing. But it's, it's very similar to, how I imagine a heroin addict internalizes things in their mind. Like it's just, just one more hit. Like I'm, I'm going to stop after this one. Like I, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but like just one, I got, I'm going to, you know, this is the last time, this time is the last time, you know, I'm in, until they're in the hospital or dead. Right. I mean, I think that entrepreneurs have a very, very, the type, there's different types of entrepreneurs, but the type of entrepreneur that I have identified myself as uh, certainly it's, it's just as powerful as any drug. I and mean, you got to be very careful with how you, how you deal with it. Yeah. I, I like the analogy, man. I think, um, a lot of people, um, underestimate like the idea of what's going on in your mind, uh, when you're, when you're doing these things, when you're chasing new ideas or a drug addict is chasing another hit, like there's some similar chemistry going on up there. hundred Um, and and the thing that makes it more difficult is that entrepreneurs are celebrated, right? If you're right. a drug addict, society looks down upon you. If you're a gambling addict, it's like, how did you lose all your money uh, and destroy your family? Or if you have 
uh, food addiction or alcohol addiction, any of these types of other things, like society kind of looks down upon it. But like when you're telling people that you're working 80 hours a week and you're successful in one of these different companies, everybody's like, eyes like, like, oh man, that's so awesome. Like, I wish I could be like you. It's, <laughs> it's kind of funny how, <laughs> how, how things are looked at. And so because it makes it okay and you, you don't feel like you're ever doing anything wrong, it, it, it makes it even more difficult. At least that's something that I've, it's taken me a long time to really realize. Um, and so I think the first step to fixing a problem is, is realizing that you have one. And so we've yeah. definitely really been working towards those things. And so it's, it's been not, not just traction that's helped with that, but some other things that kind of helped along, along the way. Well, yeah, man, definitely lots of words of wisdom. You know, I know you've uh, come to this conclusion through experience and, and I think you're right, man. Like you just, uh, you can't show up your best, uh, across five different things. Like your intentions might be good, but your energy is going to fizzle out, uh, and things are going to be affected. Um, so now that you, you, you created that space, uh, it opened up some more opportunities in the world for you. Talk to us about, uh, e-com crew, man. What made you decide to give away all the secrets to your success on Amazon and, and what's the mission and purpose behind that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, when we first started it back in 2015, 2016, I forgot exactly when it was. Uh, the reason I, I started, I was, a, I was a member of e-commerce Fuel, which i okay. still a member of. Great community. Highly recommend it to everybody. If you're a seven-figure seller, uh, they won't take just Amazon sellers. So if, you also, if you're listening, watching and you are a seven figure seller that also sells off Amazon. It's a, it's just a great community. Um, the, the community part is just amazing. Like I've made a lot of really great friends. Uh, Dave Bryant, who I do the podcast with is, is also a member there. That's how we met. Ah, I didn't I know that. Uh, yeah. I think that's actually where I met Ian as well originally. Okay. Um, if I remember correctly. Um, but you know, I was writing about things in the, in the forum that to me, like just didn't seem like much of anything. You know, I was, converting from Yahoo stores, the big commerce for that ice shop store that I was telling you about that we bought and doing some email marketing and some, some ads and this, that, and the other, and people were just like, wow, that's amazing. And, blah, blah, blah. and so what I kind of realized is that the app, like a lot, a lot of, at least in that community, a lot of the e-commerce people are product people first. They have a family business or they had some idea about like something that they invented at some type of product. Something I'm very jealous about, by the way, they developed, you know, amazing, pro but they're not really necessarily tech people at heart versus me. Like I came into it very much as a tech oriented play, right? A marketing type play. Cause like, that's what I had done my whole life. And, um, and the product development part's always been the hard, hard part for me. And so realizing that, that we were doing stuff that was mystifying and cool to a lot of people. I was like, you know, I'm going to start documenting this on, on Ecom crew where I can get into a lot, lot more verbose conversation about it. I think there was a thousand word limit uh, on a post in, on e-commerce fuel. And so I would take the time to write a 2,500 word post with uh, screenshots and kind of detailing things. And I didn't really have any, I remember actually thinking about, uh, about this at the, at the time. I was like, I don't really have any preconceived thing of where this is going to go. I'm just going to do it. I know that uh, when you write great content, good things come of it. Cause I have been doing that for years and I felt like it could open up great opportunities and, uh, we would see where it would go and maybe it would be a business later. Maybe it wouldn't, whatever, but I just, I really didn't have anything really that I really thought through. And 
over time, what I've realized is that, you know, the, the, the biggest reward to it is just, it, it opens up every door. Like they're, you know, as the, the co-founder of Ecom crew, I can email anyone and they'll return my phone call. They'll return my email. Nice. I mean, you know, and so it's that, that's really where things have, have really paid off. You know, if I want to, if I need to talk to somebody, I can get a hold of them, you know, and, and, and that's tough in this day and age, you know, like I get emailed dozens of times a day. I have someone that sits in front of that and just like deletes all that crap. It doesn't even have a chance to get in front of me. Right. It just, <laughs> the average thing just, you know, but and so that that's been, that's been a big, a really big reward. Um, the other thing is, you know, as I was doing it again, I, I really like the community. E-commerce is very different than anything else I had done when I was doing affiliate marketing, it, you know, especially in, in a niche in affiliate marketing, like online poker, everyone that you come in contact with is your kind of your enemy and your friend, I guess, maybe at the same time, but mostly your enemy when it comes to business, they want to rank for online poker or number one on Google as well, just like you do and, or party poker bonus code or whatever, whatever those things are. and it's it's very difficult to be open with people in that in that arena because they're they're coming after you. Um, but in e-commerce, it's almost impossible to have that same thing happen, right? Like I sell colored pencils and coloring books. The chances of you doing that are damn near zero. And I saw ice packs again, same thing, almost zero. And even if you do, I'm never going to sell all the world's gel pens or colored pencils or ice packs or stuffed animals or all the other things that we sell. Like that's never going to happen no matter what. Yeah. I don't want a smart guy or gal competing against me necessarily, but there's already plenty of smart people out there competing against me. I just need to like stay in my lane. And if, if the repercussion of helping a thousand people is that one person might make my life a little bit more difficult, I feel like that's reward enough. And I also was at a point where I was more financially secure and just emotionally secure in my life, in my business. And so, I, don't, I mean, there's, there's lots of things I had heard about, uh, you know, people who spend time doing charity or philanthropic things. Like that's the thing that is more rewarding for them than anything that they've ever done. Uh, and so I, you know, I thought a lot about that. Uh, and I felt like I could apply that to this world better than I could ever at, you know, the local food bank or something where like, I don't offer any additional value uh, other than I could put food in a pot or on a plate, which obviously would probably feel good to help those people. But I feel like, and, and certainly it's not charity, uh, you know, helping people with, with uh, e-commerce, but I feel like I can make a bigger impact. You know, it was something yeah. I, I thought about, right. Where I can help hundreds of people make a whole bunch more money. And hopefully, you know, that at some point trickles down to them doing something more philanthropic or, or whatever. As well, I also uh, the only time I ever do any one-for-one -one consulting, you know, for an hour is it's always all donated. Like I I donate that uh, money, when, so I, I do it very rarely because I charge a lot. But I try not to ever do one-for-one -one things. And so, it, and and then the other thing that's also done is it's become a good business. I mean, like that wasn't really the original thing, but I mean, it's turned into a nice little, nice little side thing as well. And it's uh, been fun. It's enjoyable. You know, I get to talk to all these other amazing entrepreneurs and interface in their lives, help them one, you know, uh, help them further their career and their, and their business and their lives. It, it just, it's just neat to, to see someone, one of the people in our community just, just sold their business. So it just full circle is the first person I think that you know, joined us and then eventually built something and then sold it, which was, was neat to see. And so, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. Again, I, uh, I didn't expect this to be the thing that came out of it. Yeah. Uh, 
And then one last thing that I did, it, it forced me to do public speaking, which I was okay. terrified of. Um, and so it got me out of my comfort zone and forced me to get up in a, in a room full of hundreds of people and, and kind of conquer that fear as well. So that's been another cool thing as well. Yeah, man. I think it's great. Great. What you're doing. Like uh, you talked about charity and like you doing what you do, like just imagine the difference of an impact of like, okay, say you gave someone a million dollars versus teaching them how to make a million dollars. Yeah. And then they, they learn all those skills. They make that million, they sell the business. Like those two people are going to be impacted very differently, uh, carry on a different legacy that's going to be passed on to their, their children, the people that, you know, surrounded them, um, so I think it's great what you're doing. And I, I've got the, uh, we just purchased the ecom crew premium for me. Oh, you did? Oh, cool. uh, yeah. For my business. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's neat. Yeah. Um, because it's, it, there's, I like your course. There's one other one I like too. Uh, seller systems is good, but it's not as structured. Uh, like I can't really just send someone in there and say, Hey, take this course. Cause it's not organized that way. Information is solid. Uh, but I feel like yours is just a little more organized and, and easier to follow. Um, I've listened to the secret sauce webinars and man, there was one you did with an SEO guy. Yeah, I obsessed over that. Like, yeah, he's awesome. Dude, you completely laid it out. Like if, if someone follows that plan, like you're not going to fail. Yeah. Um, I think it's just got, you guys have so much good content and even just on by listening to the podcast, like, uh, and that information is, uh, the podcast information can be overlooked because it's free, right? Like you're sharing all that stuff and people, you know, just kind of goes over their head. Cause you're like, well, maybe I, I don't know what we think. There's something like <laughs> in our minds yeah. working behind the scenes. It's like, oh, it's, he gave that out for free. It must not be that, it must good. Be that good, but it, yeah. but it is, it, it 100% is. Um, so I, I love listening to you guys. I love the content you guys put out and I'm excited to see what my team can, uh, can do with that information. Cool. I appreciate that. I mean, the, the thing that we really tried to to do with that subscription, I think I mean, you'll, it'll be fun to touch base after a year, but it, we find that the value, at least from my perspective, isn't necessarily the courses. We put a lot of work into them. Um, and I think they're good, but what we, what we know happens is that there's people that, that like steal them or like propagate right. them like all over the internet. You can go buy, you can just type in a Google search, like ecom crew courses. And I think you can buy them for like $49 or something. And like someone stole them and they're reselling our stolen material. It's like obviously highly illegal, but people do it all the time. Yeah. So, you know, we, we try to make the value actually everything, but that, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're a selling point, but like those secret sauce webinars you talked about, those can't be lifted because they're live webinars. There's Zoom. We do upload them, but people don't have access to them to, to steal them. We do the, the monthly Q&A webinar, which we're doing tomorrow, actually, um, where people come in and ask questions live. You know, that type of help is, I think, you know, priceless. And also the email support. You know, if you got a question, you can email us. And uh, even people like yourself that's been selling millions of dollars of stuff, like, I mean, there's always a question here or there that, you know, I need some business insurance or I need a Nova 3PL or um, have you been through this particular thing or that thing or my account suspended or whatever it might be. Like we've either we've been through it. Someone in our community has been through it. We're going to try to help. Uh, you know, if it's just that one time a year, it can make a big difference. And so those are the things that we really try to add the value for where it's just like we're there 
to help you with whatever. It's Dave or myself answering the emails, not not a VA. That's actually what I spend most of my time doing these days is okay. is manning the, uh, those inboxes because again, someone else is helping run my e-commerce business. They uh, because attraction, but like there's, I put myself in positions where only I can do the task. That's why I try to spend my timeline. And so that's where I think that the, the value for e-com crew really comes in. Yeah, man, I totally uh, can see that, man. I mean, the community is where it's at. That's what you can't steal. You can't hijack. Yep. Um, you can't shortcut a good community. It's why I love MDS. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, MDS, like, holy crap, man. Like I was in Thailand right before the the pandemic and I made a post. I was like, I'm going to be in Chiang Mai. Does anybody want to grab lunch? And 12 people came to lunch like the yeah. next day. <laughs> like that's the thing that's really valuable, right? I mean- and I mean, that was a great time. Like, I mean, it was just great hanging out with everybody. You get some great ideas, you, you know, make friendships. Those are the things that actually matter. I mean, course material is definitely important. Like, don't get me wrong. That's again, why we put the effort into it, but things change so quickly that, yeah. you know, they're almost out of date the, day, the minute we release them. And so like having that community again, MDS is just think about the trips down to Mexico or the ski trips and all those other things, or the fact that it was in Thailand and boom, there's all those people instantly there. Uh, that's to me where the real value is. Absolutely. Uh, well, Mike, before we wrap up, I got a couple uh, quick fire questions all right, for you. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> These so are always intense. Us- this might be where your editor has to come in and like, and help me out. Yeah. I'm sure you have some good answers for us. Uh, what, what's your best book recommendation that comes to mind right now? Well, traction, I think uh, we just talked about it today. I, I really think that anyone that runs a business should, should read that book, no matter how big or small you are. I think that it, it can really help set the, the right path for you in, in the way that you might structure your business moving forward. Yeah, I can definitely support that, man. Uh, definitely a good book to read. Does anything like from a personal perspective come to mind? Any, any books you've read that have really helped you on a personal level? Um, I'll give you my, the book I read most recently. I think those are always the ones that are fresh in my mind. It's a book that I wish that I read when I was 25. I can tell you that it's called the psychology of money. Okay. Uh, highly recommend this book. Uh, this is again on a personal level, but, um, you know, unfortunately I figured a lot of these things out already, you know, through 20 years of doing all the wrong things. And, uh, the thing that psychology of money will really lay out if you are younger and you can shortcut all the mistakes that I made is basically, you stop looking to people that are richer than you or proceed to be, you know, have more things than you as, as your mentors necessarily there. A lot of them are broke uh, or will be broke, uh, you know, investing in things for long periods of time, uh, you know, picking a number and sticking to it. A lot of us keep moving the goalposts. I'll be happy with once I get a million dollars. Now I just need two. Now I just need yeah. five. Now I just need 10. Uh, and it's insatiable. You know, it'll never end. And so, we became pretty minimalistic uh, in like the 2018, 2019 timeframe. I wish it was something that, uh, again, I had, I had kind of figured out a lot sooner. Um, we, we bought a house uh, th- this last year. That's the smallest house we've ever owned. Um, you know, and we're just in happier than we've ever been. You know, it's just, you don't need cool. the 6,000 square foot mansion uh, uh, on, the, on the mountaintop. And so it's, it's just a great book. Highly recommend it. Nice. I'll add that to my list. I haven't read that one yet. Uh, all right, man. How about some hobbies? What else, what else are you into besides uh, five businesses? Uh, <laughs> what else you got going on? Well, it, th- those come and go. You know, it's interesting uh, over the years. Uh, I, I'm, I'm back 
it's kind of like uh, bell-bottom jeans, right? They kind of, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> my hobbies have kind of come and gone like that. And so the one that I send me back into these days is playing poker. Ironically, oh, it's God. so funny. Um, you know, we're, we're living in Vegas again. I've really enjoyed going out and and in person and just and playing poker. I, I I really enjoy it. Still love it. I've always loved it. But for a long time, I, I got away from it. Um, I, I still love playing tennis. I, I stopped because of the pandemic. So once, uh, uh, I think another month or two, I'll feel comfortable going back to the gym again when they get rid of the damn mask in the gym. Um, start playing tennis again. Uh, also, it's it's been really hot here in Vegas. So uh, the the other hobby I've always loved is is traveling, which I again is kind of like uh, uh, like those bell bottom jeans. Like I uh, at, when the pandemic happened, we were we were actually living full time on the road. You know, just doing a bunch of traveling. We've been to fifty six countries, seen a lot of the world. It's been been awesome. But being forced to to stay in one place as also forced me to just realize like how exhausting that was. And the fact that you never yeah. have root, roots down and um, you're not spending time with your friends in your community. Uh, and so it's actually been really good. And so we haven't really gone anywhere. I haven't been on an airplane since February of 2020. Uh, we do have a trip planned in, in July, but uh, so we'll break that trend, but yeah, traveling was, a, was always a hobby. Uh, and I'm also a big foodie. Like I love, uh, yeah. love going out and especially in this town, uh, experiencing food. My wife and I spend, uh, that's definitely my biggest expense is food. Like food. yeah, I'll wear, I'll have a shirt with a hole in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I'm the same not way. buy a new shirt. But. Yeah. My wardrobe is so pathetic. Like I, like, again, I'm not a clothes guy, not a jewelry watch, but experiences. Like I'm definitely all about experiences. I mean, we have, uh, and especially now that things are opening back up again. I mean, we just went to a hockey game, uh, which was awesome. Las Vegas Knights game. A playoff game, which was fun. We uh, we're going to we bought concert tickets to like five or six different shows. Uh, we go out to like all these awesome restaurants. We just went to Mayfair the other night, which is a, a like a supper club here at the Bellagio, which is like a dance and singing cabaret kind of thing with like great food. I mean, I just I love that stuff. Like I mean, it's yeah. just absolutely amazing. And uh, you know, having another another watch or another car or whatever like does nothing for me. Yeah. Man, we'll have to, have you ever uh, hung out with Eugene from the group? I have. Yeah. I've uh, hung out with him down in, in Mexico. Did yeah. you guys get some food, food together, man. He's a, he's a foodie too. Big. Time. We were just at the all-inclusive place down there. So okay. it wasn't anything uh, all that spectacular, but yeah. Tell him when he's in Vegas next time to, to look me up and we'll, yeah, we'll go get some, some, there's, there was like some crazy experience stuff here in Vegas where it just, uh, at Mayfair the other night, I got this Wagyu hand roll thing that like was Wagyu beef with caviar and a gold, like a piece of gold. I actually ate wow. gold. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was ridiculous. I mean, like it was so over the top, like stuff I would do actually all the time. But again, the experience thing, I mean, it was just like, that was really freaking good. Now I know how uh, other people live <laughs> or whatever, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's pretty cool. Nice, man. All right. I got, I got two more for you. All right. Um, what's one habit that you're working on right now? Oh man, this is a good one actually. Cause, uh, I'm doing this thing called 75 hard. Ah, nice. Uh, I'm not sure. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it, but I have not done it. Sounds okay. intense. It is intense. Uh, I'm doing it for 60 days, not 75. Cause one of the things is no drinking. And, uh, I have a July 4th party at our house here. Right It'll on. Be kind of ridiculous not to be drinking at. So, um, the timing turned out that it, it's going to be 60 days and I'm doing it with a buddy. We made a $10,000 bet. Um, wow. And, and which honestly, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have stuck with it. 
there's just no way I would, I mean, I would have been out like the first 10 days for sure. Um, but what you require to do was work out twice a day, um, two 45 minute workouts. We've, we've allowed uh, some kind of modifications to this where if you need to do it all at one time, you can, but we try to stick to it twice a day. Uh, one of the workouts has to be outdoors, which has been intense here because it's been 107 degrees. Uh, it finally cooled down. It's only 84 here right now. Wow. But on the 107 degree day, it's hard to go out and uh, get a 45 minute workout in. You have to read 10 pages in a book, uh, drink a gallon of water, stick to a diet, uh, a couple other things. Um, but the habits that it's helped develop has been, I think, hopefully some things that I'll really stick with. The reading 10 pages in a book thing, I've come to really enjoy. Uh, you know, I just never, I've never been a big reader. Like I, I, I and, and uh, technology's made it even worse. Like I've always been ADD. It's been very difficult to like, just sit down and, and read a 300 page book. I tend to consume my information in thousand or 2000 word blog posts or stories or something like that. And very rarely will I sit down and complete a whole book. You know, I might read the first couple chapters on a plane one day, but then never, never get back to it. And so I'm hoping that that, that habit sticks. You know, and I think that's the whole idea of 75 hard is that by the end of it, you've developed some, some good habits. Uh, the other one I hope sticks is, you know, I've, I really come to enjoy going for a walk every day. Like, I mean, nice. Um, you know, it gets me outside, gets me away from the computers, gets me some time to think about stuff, listen to some podcasts again that, you know, I, I just kind of got away from that. Uh, a lot of times my wife will come with me, you know, it's a good time for us to just go together and, uh, and do that together. So those two things I really hope that, uh, are, are habits that I, that I really stick with. Yeah. I can really relate to the two about the reading. Like I, I found myself not really reading anymore, which upset me because, yeah. uh, when I read certain books, like it impacts the way I think, the way I speak, the way, like my relationships with other people. And 100%. I missed that, but I, I fell into the, that trap as well, where it's like, all right, 2,500 word blog post, uh, Facebook post, like that became my reading. Um, and then the 10 and then the walks, man, I'm a big fan of 10 minute walks. I lost, uh, when COVID hit the gym shut down, my third child was born. Oh, I was wow, getting yeah. pretty out of shape, man. And it uh, happens easy. Yeah. And I focused hard on my diet and I did 10 minute walks every day. I, I lost uh, 30 pounds and kept awesome. it off. That's so, awesome. Uh, Congrats. Big fan of the, the walks. Thank I've you. I've only lost a few pounds. Um, it, it hasn't actually helped me lose that much weight. I've actually been eating a lot more. Um, yeah. so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of funny cause, uh, because things are opening up, we have been going out a lot, uh, what my diet is intermittent fasting. And so okay. I've been doing that pretty much anyway. Um, but you're allowed to eat whatever the hell you want, you know, in, in between those hours. And so I've, <laughs> I've, been taking, <laughs> I've been taking advantage of that, but I have, I still, nice. even with all that, I've lost a couple of pounds because I have been going out and being active every day where, where I'm like, just sit at my computer and get fatter. Right on, man. Well, yeah, my, hopefully that uh, plays out exactly how you want it to. When do you finish the 75? Uh, it's the or end 60? of the month. Yeah, end 60 of month? In, in June, June 30th. Yeah, cool. we started on uh, May 1st. All right, man. Final question. All right, what here it comes. Is, uh, <laughs> what do you believe sets a successful Amazon seller apart from an unsuccessful one? Yeah, I think that if you asked me that in 2015, you would have got a completely different answer. I think the the answer today is someone who has outside traffic. Okay. You know, some some ability to send traffic from some other platform to Amazon. I really think that that's the differentiator. And I think this is going to get bigger, that the gap's going to get bigger. And so 
that can manifest itself in a few different ways. It can be your own blog that you have that uh, you rank organically on Google for terms that you can then send affiliate traffic off to Amazon. It could be relationships you have with influencers that, you know, on YouTube or Instagram or whatever that can send traffic off to Amazon. It can be your own Shopify store, an email list, a, a Facebook mini chat list. Those are all like the super white hat ways of doing it. There's also some grayer black hat ways to do it as well, which I'm not as big of a fan of. I don't think that those are sustainable long-term strategies. I think the ones I kind of mentioned to start with there are the things that people should be investing in and thinking about because yeah, there's the ability for the you know, the black hat seller to to do this stuff artificially for some period of time. It's costly and isn't again isn't sustainable versus the other stuff I mentioned uh, is a very long-term way of thinking about it. Yeah, I like those long-term uh, strategies, man. Like they turn into assets that just produce for a while versus a hack that just disappears. You wake up and it no longer works, right? <laughs> yep. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It was really good chatting with you. Um, where could people find you if they want to want to get more info? Yeah, um, Ecom Crew is probably the best way to get to me. Uh, you can either go on the website, look there, or you can email support at ecomcrew.com. The emails addressed to me always find their way to me as long as they're not some type of spammy crap. Um, <laughs> we do. I, I've gotten a lot better at, like I was talking about earlier, just trying to help uh, free up my time and, and make me more efficient as a, as a CEO and a human being. And so a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, we want a link building thing or whatever type of emails that come through constantly, or can we do a guest post for you or pay for a link insertion or all that stuff just gets filtered out by someone else. But if you want to get a hold of me and you've been watching this, just say, I've been watching Mike on, on this podcast. want to talk to him about XYZ. We'll make sure you get it supported ecomcrew.com. Also, if you got any other questions about any other stuff we have, you can ask it through, through there as well. Um, I largely stay off of social media. I am on Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that, but probably the best way is to shoot us an email. All right, Mike. Well, thanks for letting me and MDS uh, make it through the noise filter and <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I love get you, guys, you on man. the podcast, man. Yeah, it's, it's all about relationships and people. I mean, like I've known Ian for a long time. Uh, MDS, I think is, is a great, great resource for the e-commerce community. I mean, like not just the example I mentioned in Thailand, but like, there's a lot of like, holy shit, like I am in big trouble right now and I need your help type stuff that happens on there. And I'd love like seeing how everyone flocks to, to help. Yeah. My account's been shut down. I got this competitor doing something really nasty. I got, you know, this other issue, this other, whatever it is, we've all been through these things. I'm like, that's when you really need help, right? That's what this is all about. I mean, that's the cool thing about e-commerce versus again, the affiliate marketing stuff I was doing before, you know, someone got on an affiliate form, like, holy crap, Google just penalized me. They, everyone would laugh at them and say, thank God they're penalized because, oh, man. you know, it's good for them. Right. But like in e-commerce, we all, we've all been through this and have like that common thread and want to help that person get unscrewed, especially if it was like a really unfair way that it happened, which a lot of times it is. And so, yeah, man, I uh, always here for you guys, whatever you need. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you saying that. And uh, thanks for coming on, Mike. It was, Absolutely. It was chatting with you. Thank Be you. Good. Take it easy. Are you a million dollar seller looking to network with like-minded entrepreneurs? Apply for membership now at milliondollarsellers.com. Leave us a review and subscribe now so you don't miss out on next week's episode.